Marcus. Hang on just a second. We have to hit something really important. And I want you to hear it from her own mouth. Uh, Elon Omar. Can we play the audio, please? Elon Omar is very upset. Uh, she's having a hard time, and I, I think we really need to address this. Here's Elon Omar yesterday. Um, I feel ill a little bit um, because of, of everything that is taking place. And I think every time I hear about, com- I hear of conversations around war, I find my, myself um, being stricken with uh, PTSD. Oof. Every time she's she's stricken with PTSD, uh, boy, I, I maybe she should take some time off, you know, especially when when we have a congressperson who is is ill every time she hears about war. War's part of the job, sweetheart. Uh, second, and I mean sweetheart with all the love and respect that you deserve. Um, the uh, uh, the other part of this is. Um, you're you're feeling sick because we went after a terrorist from Iran. Hmm. Well, we wish you uh, a healthy recovery and all of the best, and and get well soon. This is the Glenn Beck program. So I really want to. Uh, I really want to understand where Mike Lee is coming from. He's joining us in about 20 minutes. Here's what he said at a press conference yesterday, and this is about as animated and angry as I've ever seen Mike Lee. The briefing lasted only 75 minutes, whereupon our briefers left. This, however, is not the biggest problem I have with the briefing, which I would add was probably the worst briefing I've seen, at least on a military issue, in the nine years I've served in the United States Senate. What I found so distressing about that briefing was that one of the messages we received from the briefers was, do not debate, do not discuss the issue of the appropriateness of further military intervention against Iran. And that if you do, you'll be emboldening Iran. The implication being that we would somehow be making America less safe by having a debate or a discussion. It is not acceptable for officials within the executive branch of government, I don't care whether they're with the CIA, with the Department of Defense, or or otherwise, to come in and tell us that we can't debate and discuss the appropriateness of military intervention against Iran. It's un-American, it's unconstitutional, and it's wrong. Okay, so here's the here's the the thing. They're both right. They're both right. The White House saying, please. Don't debate this. Don't take this because you will embolden Iran. By having uh, a Congress or a Senate and, and people on the, uh, on the right especially saying, well, I don't know if we should do this, it will embolden Iran because they will see that as, oh, he can't hold this together. However, where Mike Lee is right is that's our system. That's what we do. That's what we have to do. And that's what the Senate and the Congress is for. The president can make a, a move towards a war. He can make a move to, towards the war, according to the Constitution, for 30 days. 
But in that 30 days, he's got to go and get a War Powers Act to continue it because they hold the funding. And so they can just shut everything off. Now, we haven't done a War Powers Act since 1942. All of the other wars, always War Powers Act. But then we, we hit the progressive era, and the progressive era said, you don't need that because we're not really going to do war. We're going to do police actions. And that's really the problem because without a war, it can drift. You don't, what, what, is our, what is our goal? What's our goal right now in Iraq? Do we know? What's our goal in Afghanistan? Do you know? When does this war end? These are all criticisms that Donald Trump has made. Correct. Right. Uh, Correct. Of this war. Correct. Uh, many, many times. Correct. And, you know, Lee started off the press conference talking about his support for Trump and and he votes with him most of the time. And uh, and I th- seemingly he supports the idea of taking this terrorist out. And we'll ask him that directly uh, coming up here in a few minutes. But, you know, the, the process is important, too. And if you're looking for potential approval of future military action in Iran, well, you need to make that case in in confidence, right? I mean, like you, you need to make that case uh, in at least to to in classified settings to uh, senators, and and you know that is you know I think Pence came out today and said, well, we didn't really give them all the intelligence because the really good stuff we were worried about it, uh, you know, uh, whether it would compromise future actions. It's like, well, I mean, that's obviously what a classified setting is for. So at some level, that has to be done eventually. Uh, but that, you know, yeah, you, the you administration gotta, cannot hold information back from Congress. It's an equal branch. And so if if anything, it's superior. I mean, uh, you know, you know, because, uh, well, I mean, if the president wants to get rid of the, the weakest congressperson from some small town in New York, how does he do it? He doesn't. If the if a small time congressman from New York wants to get rid of the president, he's got power to do that. If Congress comes together and impeaches him and throws him out of office. Correct. So, I mean, you know, if anything, Congress has, and, and with war, as you point out, I mean, Congress has the power to declare war. Um, so it is a, uh, it is a, an interesting part of this whole uh, back and forth that we have to make sure, just like uh, we should always do, is being, you know, diligent to support the actual system that has checks and balances against uh, so, these these problems because we realize they do lead to problems. This is the 100-year-old debate uh, with progressives, and that is times have changed and things have have moved so fast now uh, that we can't we can't wait for Congress. We can't wait for these things. That's why the the progressives liked fascism before fascism, you know, ended up killing. And murdering people. Mm-hmm. So strangely, they still like the other uh, fascist uh, regime of communism. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a bizarre thing. But that's why they originally embraced both communism and fascism, because it allowed a dictator, which didn't have a bad uh, ring to it around the time of the First and Second World War, uh, it People didn't think a dictator was a bad thing, an authoritarian. He was just in charge, and he would make the decisions, and we can make them faster because science is involved now. And, you know, now communication, it just happens so fast, we, we just have to have somebody be able to make this decision. Well, no. No. 
as clunky and as awful as it is, it, we've got to go through Congress. Now, that has nothing to do, in my opinion, with whether or not we hit this guy. The, the law is very clear. When we went into Iraq, the president has a right, the military has a right to kill people in Iraq that are killing our soldiers. You have the evidence. You know who this guy is. We've known about him for a long time. He's been killing our soldiers. So they had the authorization to do that. It was clear. Now, did Obama have the authorization to go in and, and kill Muammar Gaddafi? Because we went in and destabilized an entire country. We overthrew that country. We supported people dragging him in the streets to his death. Then Hillary Clinton celebrated. And then the press said it was no big deal when our consulate was taken and our ambassador was killed. I mean, think of that. Think of that. All of the repercussions that we're talking about. You know, I said yesterday, I don't believe this is over. And last night, the uh, militias that are backed by Iran tried to lob some missiles over into our embassy. Okay, no harm was done, but that's what they did. And I told you yesterday, this could turn ugly quickly in some other place because I don't believe that the military of Iran is going to do any more strikes. I think they're going to have these militias or the the surrogates, if you will, of Iran that, who are all over the world. Kidnap an ambassador, kill an ambassador, kill somebody, blow up an embassy. Well, the press didn't think that that was a problem with Benghazi. They didn't think that was a problem. They didn't think overthrowing a president, a leader of a country, and then cheering while his body is being dragged in the streets. I mean, I have no love for Gaddafi. But where was the authorization for that? And quite honestly, that's the kind of stuff that Congress does need to be able to reel back in. Did you vote to go to Yemen? Because we're in Yemen. We're fighting a war in Yemen. I, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I do, but as an average person, you don't. Do you want that? So this isn't about Donald Trump. This is about any of these presidents. All of these presidents. I give the president the benefit of the doubt, and we have to have somebody that can respond quickly. But you have 30 days to get a War Authorization Act from Congress. Now, the problem is, is Congress is so politicized that I don't even know if you can get a, get a fair ruling from Congress on an act of war. They're practically cheering the other side. They've made martyrs out of these horrible monsters and made our military and our president into a monster for killing a monster. I mean, the hatred of Donald Trump is so deep now in the Senate and in the House that I don't know if you could get, you know, a declaration of war on Japan in 1942. And by the way, don't give me all of the crap about Japan uh, or that Iran is. We're just going to get a bunch of people who just hate us. Look at what happened with Japan. 
we we turned their soil into glass twice twice and J- japan is one of our best friends i mean the, the the main justification for the big problems in iran is that iran and iraq are going to work together now that did not seem like familiar territory to anyone who's grown up over the past 30 or 40 years i mean that that, that war was known to be between iran and iraq one of the most brutal that's happened in the past century Right. And here it is now. We're like, oh, gosh, they might be they might work together well, because we no. didn't stop them from bleeding over. And then we allowed them to help with ISIS and they have packed the uh, the parliament with Shia people. Yeah, so about that's the big. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the parliament and that means about half of the people. This would be like, you know, the United States government. We, you know, we reelect we, we, we put um, Bernie Sanders in. And he aligns us not with the NATO powers, but he aligns us with Venezuela and Cuba. Okay, well, the president can do that. And you'd see a lot of people on the streets cheering about it. But half of the country would say, that's not me. And that's what's happening right now in Iraq. All right, you then. Welcome to the program. Hello, Stu. Mr. Beck, how are you? Well, I'm a little upset about Meghan Markle and, and Prince yeah. Harry. I, I don't are. know what to do. You're oddly interested in that story. I am because of tradition, because of history. I think history is about to change. I think when uh, the queen dies, I think the, the royal family is probably over. And that, that might be a good thing, but I just, you know, I, I'm... I'm a conservative. I like to conserve the best parts of of things yeah, and right, get rid the, of the. There's not a there's not a con, any any argument for me at least to conserve the monarchy. Like let it, let no, it go I mean, away I, forever. Yeah, I mean because it's not my country. Yeah, I can. I don't care about what they spend. You know what I mean? No, I, yeah. Like oh well, you're spending wow three million dollars for that wedding. Oh, and three million dollars to uh, to remodel their house. Oh wow, okay. I don't really care. I mean, if I, I was over there, I'd be absolutely against this monarchy. Yeah, yeah I would want the whole thing gone, though. Yeah. But their actions, I don't know how. I, like to me, it's just a well. We're, we have a giant sinkhole of money that we're going to throw. We're going to throw a bunch of money into a pit every year, so we can say we have a queen, right? Like that's essentially the entire part of this. Like none of it doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, and I come at this as a person who watched every single episode episode of Suits. I love Suits. It's like my favorite show. And Meghan Markle was on Suits. And I still don't really care about what she's doing right now. Well, okay. I mean, that's... I agree that, with that's that. That's a high There's, bar. Uh, that's a high bar. It's <laughs> hard to pass. Uh, I've watched every episode of The Crown. Ah, uh, mm. see. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. Yeah, this is what happened. <laughs> I actually like show. Elizabeth a lot. I hate the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. But I like Queen Elizabeth a lot. I think she's an amazing woman. Um, who's done an amazing thing. To try. I mean, think of this. She is, A, the longest-running monarch uh, in all of English history, um, and she has weathered this. I mean, when she grew up, people in England in the upper class were still dressing for dinner. 
You know, now everybody's going to McDonald's in the upper class, you know, Uh, and she's weathered this storm and hasn't been chased out on a rail or people screaming for their heads or a bloody revolution. She's remarkable on what she's done. And maybe the time for monarchies are over. And I think so. I like it as a tourist. Right. You know what I mean? I like it just to. We like it like we, hey, I want to make the, the guard laugh at Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Like that's the level of interest that we have. Exactly typically. right. I mean, I just, what happens so is Bucking, Buckingham Palace go away and then the, we can't make faces at the guard? What happens when she I'm dies? I'm pretty sure it turns into a mall and they throw a Cinnabon inside, <laughs> right. which is, but, it improves almost any building. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But I, the problem is, is I, I just don't, uh, when, when you see, there, I, I'm really torn on this. Because you got uh, Prince Charles, who looks like he's going to be actually getting the crown, which is crazy. Camilla, nobody likes the two of them. Then you have Andrew with Epstein. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nobody yeah. likable. I feel like Andrew, he couldn't even get a birthday party put through. <laughs> right. I, I don't think he's getting right. the, I, the... So then you have, I don't know, the older one who's not Harry. What's you his mean name? physically or you mean name-wise? Name-wise. Mm-hmm. And maybe physically, too. I don't know. But he's not hair. The hairless the, the one. one. Yeah, the hairless one. Mm-hmm. is uh, he's, he's after Charles. Well, Markle has broken up their relationship. I mean, the two brothers of Princess Diana, uh, you know, are the two sons. Megan, they're broken up. Meghan Markle's just finishing the job we started back in 1776. All right? We're going to break that, she that, really that, is. that whole She's crown She's almost up. like an American colonial coming in and breaking the whole thing mm-hmm. up get and ready he, you let it happen uh, great britain yeah and yeah. i feel sorry for harry because nobody's noticing that what he's seeing is that his wife is becoming his mother you're listening hmm. hey make sure that you and your family join me and my crew in gettysburg on july 4th for a july 4th celebration that you will not forget. It's Restoring the Covenant. Just go to glenbeck.com slash restore for all of the information. But uh, make your plans now to join us for July 4th. We have Senator Mike Lee uh, on the phone with us now, who is um, uh, is either loved or hated by so many, and I think misunderstood in this particular case. Uh, Senator, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Glenn. Good to be with you, as always. So, Mike, you are not uh, saying that the president shouldn't have gotten Soleimani or that he hasn't handled this right. That's correct. Right? You're for that. I I, I have not spoken out against the attack on Soleimani. Uh, What I am concerned about is where we go from here. Correct. I want to make sure that any subsequent military action against Iran is carried out only through the constitutional formula, which is through a declaration of war or an authorization for the use of military force. And this is something... I think the president wants the same. I think the president wants to follow the Constitution. I commend the president. I support the president. This president has been actually the most respectful and the most restrained in his his use of military power as commander-in-chief, more so than any other president in my lifetime. I agree with that. And I respect him for that. Unfortunately, some of those around him seem to be uh, coming from a slightly different place, and that worries me. I was shocked because I felt exactly the same way about President Trump. I I was really proud of the way he has restrained himself. 
He, you know, he didn't go and, and lob missiles after they took down our drone. You know, they've 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 captured our sailors, et cetera, et cetera. And he really didn't do any of the things that I think other uh, presidents would have done. And yet he didn't look weak. And he just drew the line of you kill our people. And that's a different story. He drops the bomb. This all goes fairly well as of today, goes fairly well. Um, but I was shocked, Mike, to hear on television all of the people from the right that were saying, we got to bomb their oil fields, we've got to go after them. No, 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 no. We don't want no. that. We, we don't want that, and President Trump doesn't want that. And look, this is the one of the many reasons I have endorsed his reelection. One of the reasons why I'm the co-chair of his reelection campaign in my home state of Utah is because I, I think he has shown tremendous restraint as commander in chief. And it's one of the things I love about him. He wants desperately to not get us involved in unnecessary, unconstitutional, undeclared wars throughout the world. And so it worries me when I see some people around him uh, making arguments that are consistent with those that have been made over the course of many decades that have driven a wedge between the American people and the war power. The war power is supposed to belong in the people's branch, which is Congress, because it's the branch of government most accountable to the people at the most regular intervals. Okay, now wait a minute. I want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing, because it's my understanding that the way the world works, it is so fast, and it was it's like this in the Constitution. The president has the right to strike but then he's got to go to Congress within 30 days and get a, a War Powers uh, Act passed so we have a declaration of, of war. Otherwise, all the military have to come home and everything else because you hold the purse. Yeah, that's right. The president, has, the president has the power inherently under Article 2 to order a strike that is discreet and that is necessary in order to repel an actual or imminent attack. Uh, but, you know, further actions, a sustained military effort, something that would qualify as an act of war, does in fact require congressional authorization. And that's uh, what they need to obtain. So I think the president agrees with me on that. I just think some of those surrounding him, advising him and advising Congress on behalf of the executive branch yesterday are, are not adequately taking that into account. Yeah, I, th I think the American people need to be very careful because we, we hear everything in black and white now. And there are extremists on both sides. There are people uh, in Washington that I hear, and I think they are actually, their hatred and their politics against uh, Trump are so strong, it's almost like they want us to lose. They want us to, uh, I mean, they're standing behind terrorists. It's crazy. And on the other side, there are extremists that want us to go to war with Iran, I think the average American person is like, look, if you kill our people, you hit them, you hit them hard, you move on, and we don't have to go to war with Iran. It's not the right idea. I think that's where the average person is. But the politics in Washington, which brings me to this question, how can you said uh, yesterday, which I completely agree with you. Um, you said, uh, you know, it's our we have to debate. It's un-American. And the people that were advising Trump and advising you and, and informing you on what was going on, you said, came in and said, don't don't debate this. 
because it will empower Iran. And I agree with them. However, I also agree with you that that's your job. You have to do that. We're, we're not a dictatorship. We have to have that debate. However, in this particular uh, time period, do you really think, Mike, we could get honest debate on the floor? I mean, I'm not saying we stop debate, but I just don't think that there's, uh, there's honest debate now. Anything that Donald Trump does. Look, we could and we should, and under the War Powers Act, we can and we must have that debate. The Constitution requires us to have it. And if we get ever get to the point where we can get mired into a global conflict or a war of any kind, and, and Congress says, oh, we can't possibly handle that, then we've got a major problem with yes, Congress. I agree. But uh, look, we do have procedural mechanisms through the War Powers Act to advance debate on this issue. There are some people who are fond of saying, well, the War Powers Act is unconstitutional. Look, the War Powers Act doesn't fundamentally change the balance of power between the executive branch and the legislative branch. All it does is provide a schedule a timeline by which members of Congress can advance certain arguments for an up or down vote on signaling our approval or lack thereof of a particular military action. That's exactly what the Constitution expects of us, and we should do it. The problem is uh, people are hearing you today, and we're living in such a black and white world. You were saying this under Obama, and you were saying this privately uh, about the War Powers Act uh, under under Bush. This is something that is not about Donald Trump. You've you were leading the fight uh, on uh, on Yemen. We're in Yemen. What are we doing in Yemen? Fighting a war. It needs- Barack Obama got us involved in Yemen through executive action without bothering to go to Congress. That has continued for several years, not with, notwithstanding the fact that it was never declared by Congress, notwithstanding the fact that it's unconstitutional to do it that way, notwithstanding the fact that the American people have no national security interest. They are not made safer by our involvement as a co-belligerent in the Saudi-led uh, coalition uh, effort against the Houthi rebels in Yemen. And so uh, that's what I'm saying here is that I I was consistent in previous administrations on this. I'm being consistent under President Trump. And President Trump himself, I believe, agrees with us. That is that the president himself shouldn't be free to get us involved in a war. He does. power belongs to the people's branch in Congress. He is so anti-war. He's barely a conservative uh, or or a Republican. Uh, on that front, when you Important look at distinction there, by the way, Glenn, because yeah. one is anti-war because one is a conservative. Yes. Uh, being anti-war uh, means one is a conservative. It doesn't undermine it. Correct. Unfortunately, the Republican Party has at times deviated from that standard and has uh, drifted more toward the direction of Woodrow Wilson. Show yes. me a war so that I can get involved in it. So that I can build government. That's wrong. Um, so. So, Mike, um where is this where is this headed the house votes today on uh, restraining the president from doing things and i believe that that is mainly political uh in the house um so what, what you said that you wanted to know which way to vote and you were looking at yesterday and the the people who came over to brief you were the worst that you've ever seen uh, and and were they saying that you had to vote with them or just not discuss it? Or what was it that they said? And and what do what are you planning on doing? Well, the most important and the most troubling thing that they said 
was that they refused to commit to any set of circumstances in which they would be required to come back and seek authorization from Congress before undertaking additional acts against Iran. They wanted to hold open the possibility that almost anything, uh, even right down to taking down the Supreme Leader, uh, might be authorized either uh, under their inherent authority under Article 2 or under the 2002 authorization for the use of military force or otherwise, and that they might not necessarily have to come back to Congress. I think that's inexcusable. And and there was a suggestion in there also that we shouldn't be debating it, that we shouldn't have this discussion because that might embolden Iran and it might make us look weak. Look, this is the whole reason the Founding Fathers put this thing in Article 1, Section 8, the whole reason they put it in Congress. They didn't want to have the executive capable of getting us into a war. President Trump doesn't disagree with that. In fact, I believe he agrees with the Founding Fathers' decision to do that. And that's why I think he was ill-served yesterday by those briefing the Senate. So, Mike, I, I really do agree with you. I just want to play devil's advocate here one, uh, one more time. The Founders, when they did this, uh, could not be heard in the capitals of, of our enemies live. And also... Uh, did not have a world that was controlled by a a state department uh, and uh, and manipulated in the media as it is today. You do see the point that, and I'm not saying we don't debate, but you do understand the point that the debate, especially if it becomes political, does. Uh, send the message that we are not all on the same page. It does, and that is precisely the point of the war power being put in Article 1, Section 8 and being a power of Congress. It's a feature, not a bug, to require debate and careful deliberation in the public eye before going to war. The Founding Fathers never wanted or intended it to be easy to get involved in a war. It's part of how we stay out of war. There are, moreover, uh, more than adequate means of dealing with the modern realities that you describe without thwarting the Constitution. The president has inherent power to repel an actual or imminent attack on the United States. The president also has certain power to order uh, special operations teams uh, to go in outside the War Powers Act process uh, and strike in a more clandestine fashion. Neither of those is impaired uh, by this kind of debate and discussion about whether we should go into war. Uh, we haven't had a war declaration since 1942. That's right. It's a problem. Right. It, it is a problem. It shows this gradual decline over the last 80 years away from the constitutional framework and in a direction that allows for the consolidation of power. I've been against that in previous administrations. I'm against that in this administration, which is headed by a president who agrees with me. Senator Mike Lee. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, And uh, I uh, commend you for your bravery of standing up and being consistent uh, no matter where the arrows come from. Keep up the good work, Mike. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Bye-bye. That's a hard job. Hey, we have a really good uh, television show uh, tonight that you don't want to miss. Um, tonight we have one of the guys that whose life has been completely ruined by the Steele dossier. Um, he he's been accused of a million different things. None of them were true. 
uh, he had a good name at one point, and now nothing. Where do you go, CNN? Where do you go to get your life back? Uh, by the way, speaking of that, uh, Nick Sandman. Um, we failed to mention because of the war yesterday. He's the kid that was accused of being a racist a year ago on the on the steps of Lincoln Memorial with the Indian beating the drum. Uh, he just settled for an undisclosed amount with CNN. I bet it's over a hundred million dollars. He was suing for two hundred and seventy-five million. You're listening to Glenn Beck.